Day three of the draft is done. Who has absolutely nailed their selections? Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, freelance baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, we're probably part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And the everydayers, thank you so much to you guys for being here with us in the last week as we've been deep in the draft, whether it was our news and notes, it was our mocks, it was our live show on Sunday. Uh, you guys have reached out. You, you hopped on the streams. You went from stream to stream. You commented. You've tweeted. You've been in the Discord. You've been in subtext. Thank you guys so much for everything uh, when it comes to this draft. It's been tons of fun. But the draft is finally over. Uh, it is right after the draft. It's about 6.20 p.m. Uh, so first thing I did, obviously, was get up and take a walk. I've been in this office for a while. Uh, poured a beverage. And then I want to talk about the, t- the teams that just off the rip real quick. You can tell that they nailed this draft. And the place I'm going to start is actually not where I expected to start. Because one of the conversations we had last week was about how this draft is different. The depths of this, uh, uh, this draft pool are different. In this case, college hitting far and away was the best demographic in this draft as far as the accumulation of talent. You had probably 45 guys that would have been first rounders in any given year, 45 or more, that like it was kind of hard to figure out where to fit them all. So th- believe it or not, with the strength of this draft being college hitters, the number one team that I point to and I'm like, yeah, they nailed this draft is the Miami Marlins. Uh, So, all right, all right. We know that some organizations just, they specialize in certain things. And we talk on this show a lot about those teams that are very, very good at developing pitchers. you, You think about the Miami Marlins, obviously the Cleveland Guardians, the Atlanta Braves, Los Angeles Dodgers are in there. And Miami looked at the board, looked where they were picking, and decided we're just going to double down on what we do really well. And so in the first round, they get Noble Meyer, uh, the right-hand pitcher out of high school, at pick number 10. First prep uh, pitcher off the board. Turns out would be the first one for a while. But uh, very, very talented player. Fastball, sweeper, changeup. He can uh, run the fastball up to 98. He's got a big frame. He's 6'5", really good athlete. And then they turned around and they doubled up on that with their uh, compensatory pick at 35. And they got the, the they broke the seal on the, on the prep lefties with Thomas White. Fastball, curveball, change. Velocity, really good for a lefty, 96. It pro- probably could touch 100 by the time he gets to the bigs because it's a 6'5 frame. Tons of athleticism, has some room to add a uh, healthy weight to it. And so when you look at what Miami did, they got two prep pitchers that arguably had the best ceilings of any prep pitchers in this draft. Like these are guys who, if everything worked out, they could probably legitimately be candidates for opening day starts, number one, number two in an organization, any given organization. Now might be tougher in Miami because you've got guys like Yuri Perez there, but The point is, 
they saw being there at 10, it was a little bit of a weird point before you got into that big, long run of college bats in the teens. And then it was a little too early to get into the prep bats and stuff that we saw go in the 20s. And so they went pitcher, pitcher. Uh, But again, very high ceilings on both these guys. And then they turned around and got some hitters that legitimately had upside and that were good values where they got them. Kemp Alderman, outfielder that probably, I mean, he some decent speed, but like probably it's probably legitimately 80 grade raw power. Now, how well it converts into a wood bat and everything, definitely a question. But they got him. They went out and got a couple other guys. Um, outfielder Jake DeLeo, Brock uh, Vrandenberg, like just multiple other position player options that look like the ceilings are going to be easily everyday players at the major league level, and then grabbed a couple other arms, two more lefties and a righty. And it's it's a really good job of understanding what they do well and finding a way to still get value where they picked while leaning into what they do well. So very impressed with what Miami did in this draft. And then the San Francisco Giants surprised me a little bit too. And I'm going to get more into them and some of the the guys that they picked uh, in the next segment where we talk about our favorite day one picks and then favorite day two and day three picks. But they they were able to capitalize and get some good talents. They're picking at 16, kind of an awkward place. But they get Bryce Eldridge, they get Walker Martin, they turn around and get Joe Whitman, the left-handed pitcher out of college, at 69. You know, uh, it was a nice selection to try and, in essence, they got three first-round talents in the first, second, and third rounds. So impressive there. That's not something that maybe necessarily everybody gets to do. And then after that, I feel like they got really good value and everyday position player upside with some of their up-the-middle picks. They took shortstop Maui Ahuna from Tennessee. The round before him, they took shortstop Cole Foster from Auburn. Probably, Foster's probably going to move to second of those two guys. Foster has experience playing second in college. He played that at Auburn his sophomore year. And then they got a catcher, Luke Schleiger. And so they they grabbed some, some high-ceiling guys early, and then they grabbed some pretty, I'm not going to call them completely safe. Obviously, nobody's completely safe in the MLB draft, but some pretty, uh, what feels like some pretty safe picks uh, as far as, as safe as you can get in the MLB draft in some middle infield, like some, some up the middle defenders that should be able to contribute uh, as regulars playing every day or as every day as San Francisco will let them because San Francisco likes to platoon everybody. Seattle. Seattle did a really good job in this draft of leaning into their strengths. We talked about they had those three first-round picks. They've also been really good at developing position players that they get out of high school. I think about a Harry Ford, the catcher. Think about a Cole Young, even like an Edwin Arroyo. And so they went and they got two really good hitters, like the guys that you're like, holy cow, this guy can hit. They got uh, Colt Emerson. And then they got Johnny Farmello. And Colt Emerson, I've got more on him in the next thing. He's one of my favorite picks from day one. But they, they go, and then Ty Pete. They get three guys who very high ceilings as prepsters. You probably just pay them all at slot and you're good. And then some of the guys they took later have really good upside. They're flawed, obviously. It's why you were able to get them later. But Brody Hopkins is a phenomenal athlete. Uh, the stuff is really good. He's got good analytics and data and metrics. 
but he just isn't he isn't a finished product. He's got a lot of work to do to get him there. Uh, Teddy McGraw, he's had again really good stuff. It's plus stuff. He's just he's already had two Tommy John surgeries, and so the question is, you know, what can you do with him? What kind of you have less of a runway because of those two Tommy Johns? But they did a really good job of maximizing value, getting high ceilings early, and then turning around and getting guys that could have high ceilings as lottery tickets later. Uh, Arizona, I talked about them a bit yesterday, but in the past, they've been going for those prepsers with the big upside. Think of a Jordan Lawler, think of a Drew Jones, although the Drew Jones pick isn't necessarily looking the best for a pick right now, but picking 12th in the draft going to be a little bit weird. They just took some solid college guys, right? They go and they get uh, you know, position players, Tommy Troy out of Stanford was a very good pick. I remember Jeff on our live show was super into the choice of Tommy Troy, thought that was a really good pick. Jack Hurley is the best outfielder or yeah, the best, the best position player on the board as we went into that final day. They get Jack Hurley, Gino Groover, and then they go and they get some uh some pitchers that look like they could be pretty good. A Grayson Hit from Alabama, Caden Grice from Clemson, guys that are promising and look like they could be starters one day. So really impressed there. Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay did the Tampa Bay thing. They went out and they got really good hitters. Uh, and for for the most part, Trey Morgan's kind of the exception, but they got guys that can play up the middle. And this is kind of what, what Tampa Bay does. They get a guy that's either a good defender up the middle or they get a guy that is a really good hitter, but maybe everybody doesn't always see it, like Trey Morgan. He's a first baseman that doesn't have the massive, uh, the the massive power results, and so people think he's not that great. No, he's a really good hitter and a really good defender. Uh, Colton Ledbetter out of Mississippi State. They they get some you know Braden Taylor from TCU. They get some really high ceiling guys and some up the middle talents, and then they go and they grab some guys, some pitchers that have just pure arm talent and stuff, but. You know, maybe they're starters, maybe they're relievers. They've got, you know, power stuff, but they need to have control issues. Things that Tampa feels like they can fix because that's what Tampa does. They can develop pitching really well. So I like that. And then the last thing was Cincinnati. And they changed what they do in this draft, but it was a good blend of what they do well, what their organization and their team needs, and the strengths of this draft. They doubled up on pitchers early. They got Rhett Lauder from Wake Forest. Ty Floyd from TCU, and then they started taking position players that had some good upside. Uh, catcher Connor Burns, probably going to be uh, a quick riser to the bigs, rather polished for a catcher. Uh, shortstop Sam, uh, Sammy Staffura is a little bit younger, a prep guy, but lots of upside. He can be part of that second wave of guys that reinforces once, all of, once these pitchers have already gotten to the bigs. Uh, Ethan O'Donnell, he was in the sixth round, I think, was a guy I was seeing go off the top and go off the board earlier. Did a really good job of getting value where they were picking and blending the strengths of the board, the organization, and the needs three, two, three years in the future. So impressed there. In just a minute, let's talk about some of our favorite picks for uh, day one and then days two and three. We'll do that next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bird Dogs. Listen, I have done a ton of work for the MLB draft. All of the prep, the going live on Sunday, all these shows immediately after the draft is done. And so 
because the college baseball season is over, because the pretty much the biggest event for this show is done, the MLB draft, my wife has booked us a trip to Disney World. So it is July. It is incredibly hot in Florida. And I am going to be walking around a theme park with two young children for multiple days. So I'm wearing a bunch of bird dogs because bird dog shorts, one, they fit fantastic. You look great. They're slimmer to the thigh and the leg, but they're also made of this stretchy anti-stink, uh, anti like sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Uh, I tested this out. I've worn them to baseball games. I've worn them to concerts. I felt good. I looked good. I had a great time because I wasn't all smelly and gross. So uh, if you are going to be spending time out this summer uh, where it is hot, a ballpark, a concert, a uh, Disney World, whatever it might be, go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB or enter promo code locked in MLB when you're there. They will give you a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. The shorts will keep your boys cool. The tumbler will keep your drink cool. It's birddogs.com slash locked in MLB or promo code locked in MLB for a free Yeti style tumbler because you will not want to take these shorts off. Let me promise you. Okay, so I. I teased it a second ago, but some of my favorite picks in the first round, we already mentioned a couple of these teams. Uh, Colt Emerson at number 22 to the Seattle Mariners. One of the better, like, just a pure hitter. And we've, every dayers know on this show, we talk about, like, hitters are born, not made. The guys that can do it can really do it. When you look at his perfect game data from all of the perfect game showcases, and shout out to our friends, um, uh, Chris and Beck at the Dynasty Dugout, they have access to this perfect game data. They shared it with us. They use it to make the first-year player draft rankings incredibly accurate. So go if, you, if you're a Dynasty baseball person, go check out the Dynasty Dugout and Chris Clegg. Tell him that Locked in Movie Prospects sent you. But Colt Emerson, 99th percentile exit velocity in the perfect game rankings. So obviously, that is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you look at some of the other stuff that he does around that. The 60-yard split, 93rd percentile. There's the speed. The 10-yard split, 96th percentile. There is the, like, there's the acceleration. Uh, we already mentioned the exit velocity, 99th percentile. He was a 407 hitter in perfect game showcases. So the best possible players all gathering together, and he's still batting over 400. Lefty, uh, lefty bat. Hits it to all fields. The thing that is interesting to me is he's doing this with only a 73% swing efficiency. This is something new that Perfect Game has where they actually tell you when it comes to when it comes to the at bat, how efficiently, how efficient the mechanics are of the hitter. So he's only 73%. Obviously, there's improvement you can make. He's already getting 99th percentile exit velo despite having uh, a sev only, an only 73% efficient swing. So there is plenty of power projection you can get off of that. You already have the speed from the 93rd percentile 60-yard split. Like, it's kind of, it's something where going at 22, as good as that organization has been at developing guys, you have to think Colt Emerson is going to be a very good professional in the future. 
Uh, looking at the Giants, we mentioned these guys already, but uh, in the at, at pick number 16, they got Bryce Eldridge, two-way player, uh, 6'7", 230, big boy, big arm, big bat. And last year, at pick number 30, they took a two-way guy, Reggie Crawford. So they, kind of like how the Atlanta Braves have leaned into guys that played multiple sports, the Giants are leaning into guys that are both pitchers and hitters. And they've really kind of slow played Crawford. He's doing both and in limited capacity in the minors. And the it, it takes a ton of work to make the two-way thing work. Uh, Shohei Otani has made us think that it's easy. It's incredibly hard. But what it ends up happening, like, what ends up happening is these guys learn so much more about the thing that they end up sticking with, whether it is pitching or hitting. Trying to do the other thing in professional baseball, they learn so much more about how to get better at the one they end up doing. So I like the fact that Bryce Eldridge went to an organization that has a guy doing that. Uh, obviously, the longer that he let's, let's let's assume he ends up being a pitcher, the longer he stays as a hitter in the minors, the more he's going to learn about uh, like the tips and tricks to uh, to get hitters out on the mound. Uh, Walker Martin, two-sport guy. They took him at 52 overall in the second round of shortstop out of high school. He was a high school quarterback as well. So super talented, kind of raw. Hasn't really played just baseball until now. Probably going to kick out the third base. Uh, he's going to give you really good defense. Uh, the, the, the power should be good. And he's got probably more projection than your average high schooler should have because it's his first time committing to just baseball. And so I would expect, given how good they are at development, I would expect him to quickly take one of those leaps as soon as he gets into an affiliate and starts actually working every day with professional coaches. Uh, Jake Gelliff from the University of Virginia went at 60 to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Massive power, big arm, true third baseman. Uh, if the name is familiar, his older brother is in the Oakland organization. Uh, he's a very aggressive hitter, Jake Gelliff is, but in a good way, right? He, he can recognize this is a hittable pitch and ambush it versus waiting for something that's perfect. I, we say this sometimes on the show. It came up in the Emmanuel Rodriguez episode, but perfect is the enemy of good. He recognizes that's a good pitch I can hit. I don't care that it's the first pitch or it's a 1-0-0-1 count, whatever. I'm going to swing at that ball and I'm going to hit it. So really good pick there. Uh, in just a minute, let's get to our favorite picks from day two and a couple from day three. We'll do that next right here on Locked at MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at BetterHelp. Uh, if you've been thinking that maybe you, you could benefit from therapy, if you're dealing with uh, tough choices. Maybe it's decisions around a career, relationship. Should I sign with an MLB team or go to college? Should I go back to college to improve my draft stock? Or should I uh, take this, what, 16th round uh, bonus that they give me? This is Tanner Witt from Texas talking here. Uh, if I'm not quite sure uh, how to make this decision or don't understand really how to make this decision or, wh or why I made the decision I made, that's a, that's a good case, an application of therapy. Talking to a professional, whether it's learning 
coping skills to deal with the fact that, yes, I was just drafted by this organization I do not want to play with. Uh, maybe it's understanding how to set boundaries, uh, empowering yourself to be the best version of yourself. As a pitcher, maybe learning to forget about that meatball you just gave up that is sitting, uh, that is a souvenir to somebody in the very back of the grandstand in, the, in left center field, whatever it might be. Better help, like therapy is useful in those cases. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire. They match you with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MLB to get $10 off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. Okay, some of the favorite picks from days two and three. Uh, spoiler alert, most of these are from day two. But looking at some of these guys in the fourth round, pick number 106, owned by the Kansas City Royals, they take lefty Hunter Owen out of Vanderbilt. Uh, really good velocity for a lefty. Sits 94 to 96, has a, uh, on the fastball, has a plus slider as well. The frame is 6'6", very athletic delivery, so you love all of that. Now, he was inconsistent and shut down for a bit this year because of arm fatigue, and that's a very general term that it strikes a lot of fear and a lot of people, but uh, Hunter Owen has the chance to be a really good pitcher, and Kansas City has revamped their pitching development, and so I feel better about his chances of of figuring out and getting past whatever that issue was and becoming a, a legitimate rotation guy that would have number three to possibly number two upside given that velocity that he's got. A uh, couple picks before him into the third round, pick number 84 by the White Sox, Seth Keener from Wake Forest. Uh, righty, fastball sits low 90s, touches 95, so it's not necessarily exactly where you need it, which is weird from a Wake Forest guy because they usually come out so done, but... He, from what I understand, I think he dealt with some injuries and things like that in college, missed some time. Um, huge spin rates on the three breaking balls that he throws. And then the extension is absolutely ridiculous. So he he understands, and they have worked to get him more extension. So the, the velocity does play up. He had 70 innings pitched this year between starting and relieving. I think he actually had like one save. 2.69 ERA. And you saw... Wake Forest obviously go all the way to, you know, into the College World Series. So quality player go into the White Sox. They need some of these pitchers that uh, can get you that little bit of a ceiling there. Uh, Kevin Sim uh, of San Diego, third baseman drafted by Arizona. I think we talked about him yesterday, but uh, a power option. Again, a good job by Arizona of finding ceilings on guys that they took uh, and college guys because they kind of had to shift their their approach based on how the board laid out this year. Uh, in the sixth round, Colorado, pick 172, got right-hand pitcher Cade Denton from Oral Roberts. We saw him in the College World Series as well. Fastball slider guy. The fastball sits at 95, and it's got that really flat approach angle. Uh, sliders, really, you know, above average, control's good. But the big thing to me, Cade Denton is the most obvious example of a trend that I noticed for Colorado of doing something different. We always, I'm not going to say make fun of, but we always point out the fact that Colorado always takes, because they're playing at elevation and all of that, 
It feels like every pitcher that they take is a is a guy that throws a two-seamer or a sinker, throws fastballs down in the zone, things like that. Uh, and instead, they take a guy like a Kay Denton, they take a Chase Dollander in the first round, they take Sean Sullivan from Wake Forest, and these are all guys that have fastballs they throw up in the zone, right? Like the new, say the new, but like the the prototypical modern fastball that rather than throwing it down low like a sinker or a two-seamer, they're bringing it up in the zone or elevating above the zone. So something where they're changing the way that they evaluate pitchers and the traits that they're looking for, uh, it, I, I noticed that it stood out significantly to me. And I think Kate Denton was a good example in the middle rounds of them grabbing a guy that could do that. Uh, in the eighth round, pick number 231, Julian Brock out of Louisiana Lafayette, the catcher going to the Rangers. Really good athleticism. Uh, one of those guys that has been productive in college. And I think if you can work on the power to be rather than just being by brute strength, but actually get some efficiencies in the swing, like the biomechanics of the swing to generate some more bat speed, I think you can unlock another level of power. This is a system that doesn't have a ton of catchers in the top 30. Uh, you know, they have obviously Jonah Heim at the major league level, but for the most part, the catching depth, there's nobody that stands out as particularly amazing for the Rangers. So I think that was a good choice there. Uh, in the 10th round, I think Baltimore kind of got one over on us. And this is kind of a, this is the second super speedy outfitter they took after Enrique Bradfield in the first round. But Matthew Etzel from Southern Mississippi, super speedy outfielder. I watched him in the postseason and he was just giving everybody fit. So that, uh, Southern Miss obviously went all the way. I think, I believe they hosted a super regional because they won the Auburn regional and uh, just he tormented the SEC teams. He tormented the non-SEC teams. Dude just has speed and is a good ball player. Took him in the 10th round. Excited about that choice. Um, oh, in the 7th round, another pick from the White Sox. Pick, uh, pick 209, George Wolko out of high school. 6'7 guy, massive power, massive arms. Played some third base, played some outfield. Uh, has swing and miss issues, yes, but he's young. He's only 17 still committed to South Carolina. They're going to have to spend a little bit of money to buy him out of that, but a guy that's incredibly promising and looks like he could have a high ceiling for them. Uh, so like that pick, like the spot to put him, you probably have to slot him a couple rounds ahead of that, but like getting him off the board at the seventh rather than letting him fall down towards the, uh, the 11th round and be one of those 11th round prepsters that we don't think is going to sign. Um, in the 12th round to the Cincinnati Reds, pick 348, right-hand pitcher Simon Miller from UTSA. Uh, tons of spin on the fastball, backspins it up in the zone, and a nasty two-plane break slider. Was a dominant reliever in college. Feels like the kind of guy that can move through a system as a true reliever rather quickly. Because that fastball and that slider, he can add a little bit of, of velocity to it. But the spin, the efficiency, all of that's already there. So... Love the choice of Simon Miller in the 12th round. I think it's a good job of finding value and a guy who can transcend the draft status there in the 12th round. Fantastic. It's been a fantastic week. It's been an exhausting week, but a fantastic week. A couple more shows coming for you. Reminder, mailbag on Monday. If you have questions for us, a couple different ways to get them to us. Best way is definitely our subtext. Links in the episode description. Links in the show notes. Until tomorrow's show, remember... 
It's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.